North Carolina legitimately can still make the NCAA tournament as an at-large team, but by the skin of their chinny, chin, chin. But folks, the margin for error is razor thin. What's it going to take? Coach Pat Kilby and I are about to unpack it for you. You are Locked on Tar Heels, your daily podcast on the UNC Tar Heels, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, it's Wednesday, February 22nd, 2023. Welcome into the Locked on Tar Heels podcast, the only daily North Carolina show out there. I'm your host, Isaac Shade. Joining me is our guy, Coach Pat Kilby, who is on the eve of starting his own state playoffs in the state of Oklahoma for Carl Albert. Best of luck, Coach, to you and the ladies as you start this trek. This episode of Locked on Tar Heels is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook the official sports book of the Locked On Network. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. Coming up on the show, we're going to give you our W2, W4, the what to watch for in the game tonight at Notre Dame. And we're going to have our Unpacking It segment with Coach Pack, where we talk about what would you have changed if you were Hubert Davis. But first, we want to get into this conversation to discuss what it's going to take for North Carolina to make the tournament as an at-large team. Obviously, if they win the ACC tournament, they're in, so we don't need to bother with that. But as an at-large, is it still possible for North Carolina to get in? Let's dive into that. So there are four regular season games left. Tonight, Wednesday, at Notre Dame. Saturday versus Virginia. Next Monday at FSU. That's a tough, quick turnaround. And then next Saturday, senior night at home versus Duke. And so, Pac, we've got these four games left. As you look at it, there's two quad three games. Unfortunately, both those road games are quad threes. That's, that's a tough thing to do. But Notre Dame, FSU not having great years. And then winning at home versus uh, Virginia and Duke is kind of what's in the cards. What do you think as you look at this, North Carolina has to do combined between regular season and the ACC tournament to make the NCAA tournament as an at-large team? To me, I think that the magic number is five. So between the regular season and the ACC tournament, they need to get five more. Preferably, I think the easiest thing to do and just take it kind of out of the committee's hands per se would be to beat Virginia. Mm. Now, I say that. That's not easy to do. But the, the best thing for us to do would be to win, get two more in the regular season, hopefully Duke maybe tonight against Notre Dame, get get three wins somehow in the regular season and then a couple in the ACC tournament. But nonetheless, if we can hit that magic number of five, mm. I, I think we're in. Yeah, that man, I like that. I like that kind of talking about it in baseball terms there of like, hey, just win these. The pro, Like what, as I start to think about it and looking at if you're dropping something, say they win – three of the final four regular season games and go three and one. Um, but that one loss is not Virginia or Duke. What if that one regular season loss is this Notre Dame game or the Florida state game? And then Carolina has a quad three loss on their resume. I mean, that is for a team that already doesn't have a quad one win to add a quad three loss uh, would be very damaging. And so you, you got to hope like, at least as I look at it, if Carolina is going to take another regular season loss. 
I feel like the only thing it can be is to Virginia or Duke. It, it seems like uh, the, it would be very crippling to lose at Notre Dame or at Florida State, both of which are going to be incredibly tough. I mean, it's going to be an emotional environment at Notre Dame, wrapping up Mike Bray's tenure there. It's going to be super tough to go down to Tallahassee uh, two days after playing Virginia, who, man, it's just two completely different styles of basketball. And then you fly down to North Florida. Like, I mean, are, are you with me on that? Do you think if, if Carolina takes a loss, it feels like it has to be Virginia or Duke in order to kind of stay in the running? Yes. Just to play devil's advocate, though. Do it. Do it. That's why we're here. My thought process is if our loss is um, Notre Dame or Florida State, then that means we've beat Virginia and Duke which is also, I mean, just the flip side of that is that's a significant boost in the right direction yeah. uh, that gives us, to my understanding, two quad one wins. It would be, yep. Not quad one A, unfortunately, which is like the top, top tier, but both quad one for sure. Yeah. It's which Tar Heel Nation right now, we have none. So none. That, that, Thanks that, a lot, Ohio State. Yeah, <laughs> for real. Yeah, I mean, and so I think I like that that magic number of five, though, because I feel like if Carolina can go undefeated the rest of the regular season, like win out these four games, which would be awesome. I still think they need one NCAA tournament or excuse me, ACC tournament win. Like, I don't think those like going four and oh down the stretch alone is enough. Like in order to feel comfortably safely in, I, I'm with you. I think it's got to be five. Um, and, and it's gotta be the right five, I think is another part of it too. If, if Carolina goes two and two in these four games, again, depending on who those two wins and two losses are against, is that it? You think it's done regardless outside of winning the auto bid? I think so. Yeah. I'm with you on that. I think, I think you cannot take more than one regular season loss and and still have hopes of getting an at-large berth. Uh, It's just... And I know it's crazy to even think about that. Like, it seems like Carolina should already be done and out. But when you look at all the bracketology, they're sitting right there at first four out, uh, just about everywhere I've looked. And so that that to me says you legitimately can play your back into this thing. And so um, I, I think that's a real possibility. Now, Pac, the question becomes, have you seen anything to make you believe that they can do that? to can pick up those five magic number victories? Uh, honestly, no. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty discouraged, you know, with the, <laughs> the things are trajecting right now. Now, Why, and, why is that? Ex- like, explain that discouragement to me. To me, I just feel like we've been battling the same inconsistencies all year long, like mm. the same problems. We haven't improved. We haven't found new problems that we need to overcome. It's just been the same stuff. And I shared it on the last podcast, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. <laughs> and so, then you texted me that after the NC state game. Too. I, I did. <laughs> and it felt the same way. We, yeah. yeah, we have the same problems. We don't, we can't ever maintain a lead. We never consistently value our shots. We, um, get selfish at times and our bench still doesn't have a true rotation and, and it's not their fault. It's, it's coach Davis's fault that he hasn't established that by now 
And it just feels like the same things bite us in the rear every single game. So no, I, I don't I don't have any confidence in it, to be honest with you. What about okay. you? I do and I don't. Um, there's nothing to tell me that they should put it into gear. But there was also nothing to tell me that they should put it into gear last year when they did. Now, as we've talked about over and over again, and and I think people are finally starting to agree with us, Pac. Like you and I have been hammering this. It I know it's just one different person, but the, the difference in what Brady Manick did for this team and Pete Nance does for this team is worlds apart. And it's not because Pete is bad or Brady is good. It's just the way their skill sets fit individually with this group and how they complement each other. And I just think that hasn't found its comfortability yet with Pete. Um, I'm still speculating on this idea of like, if Pete Nance was healthy, like if his back was healthy, if RJ's index finger hadn't been messed up at the beginning and again now, like, would we be looking at different things? Would we have three, four, five more wins than we do? I think, I mean, I think that's something legit to reckon with. But no, I, to directly answer your question, I don't see anything right now either that tells me they can string that together. Am I hopeful? Yes. Do, do I think it like, I, I would put it at a greater than 50% chance that they don't do it. But I also think it's, I mean, I think it's greater than 30% chance that they do do it. Um, but it because it's like, I do think the talent is there and that that's what keeps me up at night right now is like the, the pieces are there. You just got to do it. You got to put it in place. So uh, whether we can speculate all we want, but we're going to see how it plays out tonight starting in South Bend because you got to start right there. By the way, we want to know from you folks, everyone listening and watching this thing, what do you think? Is, what is it going to take for Carolina in these remaining games to make the NCAA tournament? And do you see in them the capability to do so? We'd love for you to share with us your thoughts on it. Well, coming up in just a second, we are going to preview that Notre Dame game by doing our W2, W4, our what to watch for. And we'll do that in just a second. But first, this episode is brought to you by FanDuel. The midway point of the NBA season is here, and now's the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. New customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, it's super easy to use. And then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores and three-pointers drained. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same-game parlay. So don't miss the chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. Once again, that's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Pat Kilby, North Carolina at Notre Dame tonight, Wednesday in South Bend, Indiana, right there inside Purcell Pavilion, 9 o'clock Eastern time on ESPN. Listen, things have unfortunately fallen apart for the Irish. Uh, they are 10 and 17 overall and 2 and 14 in what is a not great ACC conference this year. Simply put, North Carolina cannot afford 
to lose this basketball game. Notre Dame has lost five straight and nine of their last 10. And, and so the Tar Heels have to come in and go to work right out. And that, that one win in, in their last 10, 10 games, pack any guesses over as, as to who that is? Uh, Louisville. <laughs> yeah, absolutely it is. And so that's their only win in their last 10 games. Of course, Clemson couldn't pull that together. So, you know, there there is that. But that's just a little uh, Clemson shade right there. Throw This has been Throwing Shade brought to you by Isaac Shade. Um, so, Pac, what we want to do is unpack our W2, W4, the what to watch for. Um, let me start here. Number one, this is... I'm, I'm imagining everyone is aware of this, but let's not assume it. Mike Bray is leaving Notre Dame after this year. And so thankfully this is not his last home game because that would be a whole ball of wax you don't want to mess with. That'll be Pittsburgh next week. But this is Notre Dame's next to last home game with Mike Bray at the helm. Now, Pac, you have some unique insight into this because this year you have transitioned from one school to another yourself. And so if you could, like, take me inside your own mindset of like, the last night or the next, you know, like the, the, the final games before you get ready to transition, like what, what kind of mood and spirit and emotional energy do we expect to see in this thing? Well, there's going to be, I don't know how much it'll be from the fans and stuff, but it, as far as the team, there's a lot of emotions that go into it because I mean, he's poured his heart and soul into that for years and it's coming to an end and although it's not the last game it's the next to last so you start to savor that a little bit more and start to like just the little stuff like that walk from your office to the court or from the locker room to the court like it starts to feel just a little bit you know so maybe you slow down and enjoy it a little bit more but I'll tell you this too you, you prepare a little bit different, hmm. but the way it ends, you want it to end on a, on a high note and you want to make sure you've done your part to make sure that you go out the right way, you know? So, and I think for the most part, the kids will want to do that too. So don't, don't think for one second that those guys aren't sitting up there going, Hey, North Carolina's coming to town and it's winding down for coach Bray. Let's go do this thing. Cause we're going to take their best shot. That's right. And and as North Carolina is think hopefully not, but potentially thinking ahead to Virginia on Saturday and that being the bigger game, you cannot discount how big these final closing games are for the this Notre Dame Dame group who wants to like let's win one more for coach kind of thing as you're talking about there. And so um Carolina has to be ready to go. Throw the record out. Don't look at 2 and 14 in the ACC. Look at Mike Bray Notre Dame, this is a team that gives Carolina perennial trouble, especially up there, and so you got to be ready to go. And part of the reason Notre Dame perennially gives North Carolina trouble is what to watch for number two. The Tar Heels have to contain the homie Nate Leshevsky. Nice job in the last matchup for the Tar Heels against him, but boy, he could be tougher at home and can go off at any moment against North Carolina. Uh, Pack. What, what do the Tar Heels need to do against a guy that we hoped in the last offseason might transfer down to Chapel Hill? Yeah, I, well, for one, you got to give him a dose of Leaky Black and, uh, you know, let him do his thing. Uh, but to me, I think it's – we've got to be consistent in 
keeping him in front and them in front in general, forcing them to shoot over the top, forcing them to shoot long, tough twos, and not allow any second chances. Uh, I think if we, of course, those things are way easier said than done. <laughs> Much. <laughs> we can do those things, do them most of the time. We'll put ourselves in in a you know good a good spot. Yeah. And and it's not you know. Lashevsky, even though he didn't have a, an awesome game last time, still scored 17 against Carolina. And so it's like, hey, man, you just you got to do this. And these teams that that don't play big, like going into the Miami game, you thought, oh, man, here comes Norchad O'Meara. Armando's going to have his way against this undersized big. Not so. And, and that's something to reckon with against Notre Dame as well. And so I, I think that's the biggest thing. If Carolina can keep down Nate Lashevsky again, they should be in good shape speaking of armando man these things are segueing beautifully tonight pat kilby uh number three in our what to watch for armando baycott folks we're beating a dead horse at this point but we're gonna beat it until something comes out of it armando baycott has to be the guy that north carolina plays through early and often it's not i mean he doesn't have to take an overwhelming number of field goal attempts it's just He's got to have enough field goal attempts for crying out loud. Can it please lead the team for once? But also, even when he's not shooting, Carolina needs to be playing through him. And so I cannot count the number of times I said this this year, but I want to see Armando Baycott get a, a legitimate touch on every possession. And I know that might be like, whoa, that's wild and wacky. Well, at this point, you got to have wild and wacky because everything else isn't working. Peck, how can they make this happen? I think you hit the nail on the head as far as making him a priority. That's step one. Um, and step two is they've got to, obviously, Notre Dame's going to key on him. They've got to throw some different looks to get him open, maybe use him in the pick-and-roll game, use him um, setting some screens on the perimeter and and then sealing and pinning and They've just got to give him some different options and get him moving around, things up. But the bottom line is you're right. I mean, nothing else is working. <laughs> He's our best player. Get him the ball every time down the court. That doesn't mean that every time. It means we play through him, period. And I thought last year we had kind of found that as a pretty consistent identity. For whatever reason, we've lost that this year. It's – not that it hasn't been there, but it hasn't been there consistently. So we need to get back to that, especially against Notre Dame. That's There's a clear advantage for for Armando there, I think, um, not just in size, but in ability. Um, so we've got to take, you know, we've got to take advantage of that and capitalize where we can. Will we? That's a major question mark. That, that is a big question mark. And especially, like, I mean, we've seen it so often this year where – uh, especially recently with North Carolina shooting so poorly where, where teams just crash and collapse down on Mondo, daring Pete Nance, daring Leaky Black to shoot. And, and so Carolina's got to figure out ways to unclog, declutter the lane and give Armando room to operate, whether it's shooting or, or um, moving the ball. The ball cannot be sticky, whether it's Mondo or anyone else. And, and as you said, I mean, last time against Notre Dame had 21 and 13 um, had 17 shot attempt like that. I, I think well, like what, here's a good way to ask it, Pac. What do you think is the gold number of shot attempts for Mondo in this game? 15. Like, 
15. That's the exact number I was thinking. Perfect. I'm right there with you. If Mondo gets at least 15 shots in this game, I'm feeling good about it. Yeah, I agree. Yep. Now, I want him to hit 15 of those 15, and that'd be awesome too. But uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, fourth in our what to watch for, and, and Pac brought this one up, and I think it's so wise, is all this emotion, everything going on. I want to know, number four, where is Carolina at mentally? Are, are they done mentally? I, I don't think that they are. And the, th- the things they say tell me they aren't, but are how locked in are they, right? Like, and remember, these are 18 to 22-year-old men dealing with life and other things and outside noise and everything else. Can they rally themselves and circle the wagons for this four-game stretch of the regular season, taking it one game, one half, one four-minute spurt, one play, literally one play at a time? I've got, As you said earlier, Pac, I've got to value the ball on this play. I've got to be in the right spot on this play. I've got to whatever on this play. What is my role? Execute that, and then on to the next play. Time after time after time. Are they in that mindset? Well, they had a team meeting after the Wake Forest game. We all remember that, right? They are one and two since then. It, it worked going into that Clemson game, but then they lost at home to Miami and then on Sunday at NC State. Now, I'm not saying that that means the team meeting didn't work, but clearly it didn't do enough. Not everything's there. Peck, where are you at on this on this mental thing? I mean, you were the one that brought this up. Are the Tar Heels done? Give me your thoughts. At some point, uh, Rubber's got mode and you nailed it on the head. They had the team meeting. They're saying the right things. I do think they care, but at some point your actions have to match what you're saying. Mm. And that's what I'm looking for. I'm not saying they're not. <laughs> I'm yeah. saying we need to see it. Like, yeah. you know, I mean, you, you've talked about it. You've said the thing, you know, things that this needs to be fixed or, or this needs to be fixed or that, but show us now it's, it's time. It's time for rubber to meet the road. And so, that's really what I'm looking for. And not just, not just with like a select few with all of them. I felt, you know, the, like the bench energy hasn't been great this year. Like it always has been. And the ones on the court come out, they look disconnected from what's going on on the court sometimes. And like just little things like that. I want to see all that be fixed. I want to see the play be fixed. And like you mentioned, do your job every time down the court. Obviously, that doesn't mean there's not going to be a mistake here or there. We know that. That's life. Yeah. But if they're striving for that, then we're taking steps in the right direction. And that's what I want to see. That's That, to me, huge key, especially in Notre Dame. This game is not about Notre Dame. We're the better team. This game is about us. Let's go do that. I'm curious to see if we will. It's desperation time. And that's what makes me feel in a pretty good spot about that. Like leaky black is like, I'm not going out like this Mondo, whether this is it or not. Like he's like, I didn't come back for this. We've heard him say that Pete Nance, this is his one shot at making the NCAA tournament. Like, I feel like these guys are going to be dialed in, but we're gonna have to see it in action. And we get to do that tonight. Well, our final conversation today, we're moving to our unpacking it with Pack segment. I love these conversations where we just ask Pat Kilby kind of a, an X's and O's question or scenario and let him talk about it a little bit. 
and this week's is going to be about what Coach Davis said after the Miami game, where it's like, hey, we're going to make some changes, and we're going to be ready to find ways to get Mondo the ball better against NC State and other things. We're going to talk about that in just a moment. All right, so unpacking it with Pat Kilby, here's the question. What changes did we see against NC State? Because I think to the general college basketball fan, there was not much there on Sunday. Uh, clearly not any overt personnel changes, which you and I thought was probably the, the biggest candidate for what we might see. We did, however, though, see some subtle scheme changes here and there, some different things the Tar Heels did. And so first, Pack, I want to ask you what you saw in the NC State game that you thought was different, no matter how big or small. And then following that, I want to circle back around and say, all right, you, my friend, are Hubert Davis. What changes would you have made or would you still make going forward this season? So let's start there. What did you see against NC State? A lot of what I saw against NC State was defensively. Uh, I thought the way we covered their um, pick and roll game, Hubert and staff were basically saying, I don't think you can beat us on, on mid-range. We're going to dare you to do it. And I thought we stuck to that pretty well. And I was decently proud of that. I thought we forced a lot of mid-range out of their pick and roll game. Um, I thought I liked the I liked the rotation early on, and then kind of like always, he kind of went away from it, you know. Um, and I thought that I thought we were going to see a positive change for that, and then we kind of went away from that. But defensively, I really liked what we did. Offensively, I thought, and this Isaac, this may sound crazy. I'd be curious what you think about it. I thought he kind of simplified things against. Hmm. Um, in the past, he's ran a lot of things. He has a very large playbook, a lot of different sets that he runs. I didn't, we didn't see a lot of it against NC State. It was almost like uh, paralysis by analysis. Let's yeah. slim down a little bit and just go with a few things and see how that does. And then I thought we looked really stagnant. So um, to me, th those are things I noticed. Um, what, what about you? Yeah, I like that. I like that simplification idea um, because it, it feels like with a group this talented and experienced, the more I, I either like sets with multiple options off of it or or allowing more freelance um, or free Nance, you know, let's free Pete Nance, uh, allowing more freelance options, I think could open it up for this team who whom we've wondered about like. Like we've heard people saying, like, it feels like they know where we're going or what, what our sets are going to be. And so it's like the unpredictability of freelance, I think, I think could serve them well. Um, and so I love that. I, the biggest thing that I noticed um, subtly was Carolina has obviously struggled transitionally to get buckets. And they, they went to the Kendall Marshall-esque pitch ahead, um, which worked well on multiple occasions. Um but it wasn't consistent throughout the game, but we saw two or three examples of that. And so I like that Th those kind of tweaks of like, Hey, we're not going to put in massive changes, but what could we do to free ourselves up in transition? Don't try to like Carolina isn't moving the ball quickly up the court with the dribble, use the pass. And so I thought that went well, but I'd like to see more of it, you know, like, um, and, and I know you can't just fling it on ahead willy nilly, but, but finding other little nuances like that, to, to make a difference, I think could be good. Yeah. Well, and 
I would love to see us use the pass more in transition. The ball, for those of you that don't know, which most of you probably do, the ball moves so much faster off the pass than it does off the dribble. And to me, I think that's something I really miss from the Roy Williams era is pushing that ball on the heads and just seeing what we can get early. Even if we at least tried it. You probed. That's right. We run our stuff. I would love to see that. Yeah. And then it winds up the, the half court offense too often gets bogged down with nothingness. Um, and, and, and then the ball, we mentioned this earlier, but the ball is kind of sticking and not moving. Well, pack, give me a couple that like, all right, NC state game aside. Now, give me a couple things that you as a coach, this is where we're really unpacking it with pack that you would have either already changed follow like what, after coach Davis talked about that in the Miami game that you would have changed for the NC state game or that you're like, all right, we tried a couple things. Now here's where I would go next. Uh, versus Notre Dame tonight or in preparation for Virginia on Saturday. What are Just give us a couple things that you as a coach, if you were in Hubert Davis' position, would do. Well, for one, uh, I really would love to see Jalen get more minutes. Uh, and I'm going to talk a lot about some of the, like the playing time stuff. Uh, I, I think Jalen needs to play more, period. Um, especially given that Pete hasn't produced the way we needed him to. And, I mean, the reality of it is is it's a, it's a statistics-based game, hmm. and they don't lie. And when stats aren't matching what they need to, it's time to try somebody else. Hubert owes that to the team to give them the best chance. Hmm. And I would insert Jalen there. The second thing I think is that we struggle to shoot the ball. I think Tyler Nickel can really shoot the ball. I think we should try that. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, so you're telling me this kid can shoot the ball really well. Let's see if he can. Exactly. Wow. Okay. I'm in for that. (laughs) I know that sounds crazy. Again, as you said earlier, easier said than done, but. Sure. And I know the knock is, I wonder if Tyler can guard consistently. Well, you don't have to wonder if Caleb can. He can't, you know, and or at least hasn't. hasn't. Let, me, let me say it that way. Yeah, hasn't. Uh, Nance hasn't consistently. What do we have to lose by giving Nickel a shot? I think he could really help us in the shooting department. If nothing else, he stretches the floor and opens it up for Baycott some more. That's my two cents on that. Uh, like we mentioned earlier, I'd love to see some transition. True Carolina, get out, run, push, see if we get something early basketball. Would love to see that. But I would also love to see us make some adjustments defensively Hmm. with some things that I feel like we've really struggled to keep the ball in front. Why not look at more of a pack line system Um, instead of being out, you know, denying one pass away and giving up dribble penetration, which leads to a collapsed defense, which leads to other teams having breakout nights against Carolina, which happens literally every time we play, it seems like. Some random guy just has his career night against us. But a lot of that is seriously because we struggle to guard the basketball. And I would like to see us make some adjustments in that regard as well. Okay. 
Great stuff. You love to see it. Some some things there from Coach Pat Kilby on both sides of the on both sides of the court, I guess I should say. Um, and so, are we going to see any of that instituted? I don't know. You know, I mean, Co- you talked about Jalen Washington in his minutes. Coach Davis had had some things to say about that in in his uh, weekly ACC media availability earlier this week. And so, um, I'm just I. It's like this weird mystery where I'm super curious to see what are they going to do. Right. Like a- anything could happen. Let's try stuff. Cause at this point, I-, I feel like we said this going in the NC state game as well. At this point, you're already on the outside looking in. So throw caution to the wind and let's do something. Right. I- like, I-, I think that's the point I'm at is like, I'd rather go out swinging than go out put with the bat on my shoulder is, is how I think I want to say that to end it. So uh, we start with baseball terminology, magic numbers five, and we end with some baseball terminology. Get the bat off your shoulder, swing it. Let's see what can happen. Great stuff from Pat Kilby, as always. Thank you, coach. That's it, friends, for today's episode of Locked on Tar Heels. Coming up to tomorrow, we're going to have that review for you from the Notre Dame game. Hopefully a happy review and not another counseling session with Uncle Isaac, but we'll see. You can follow the show on Twitter at Locked on Heels. You can follow Pack at Coach underscore K23 and me at Isaac Shade. As always, you can email the show LockedOnTarHeels at gmail.com. Would love to hear from you. Let's get those Heel of the Week nominations coming in. And for your second listen, check out Locked on College Basketball where myself and Andy Patton bring you everything you know need to know from the college basketball landscape in 30 minutes, five days a week. Locked on College Basketball, available on YouTube and anywhere else you get podcasts. Hey, we really appreciate you joining us for today's episode, and we want to remind you that it's always a great day to be a Tar Heel. Until tomorrow, peace. <laughs>